Hello, welcome to this episode of the Fan Man Podcast. I'm DJ Gove. Chris Davis. Sean Hogarty. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, boys. Today was a lovely, what I like to call a three-quarter day in New England, where we ended up with three seasons on the same day. We had fall's temperature, <laughs> yeah. summer's humidity, and spring's overcast and cloudiness. And I drove through some pretty torrential ro- yeah, rains rained for lunch. Yeah, this morning was ridiculous. It's like 65, 100% humidity and rained all day. And it's one of the weird danger things. I slipped a fair amount, both in my car and walking, because... All the leaves are all over the place, and then they're soaking wet. wet. Yeah. Yep. It's it is. It's it's like nature's astroglide. <laughs> nature's ass. <laughs> you I'm should, not touching that. Yeah. No. I, no it's slippery. <laughs> I've used the phrase backdoor too many times. I can't. <laughs> there we go. I can't opine. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to see if no one really did a lot of shopping this week. So I know Chris is in the process of possibly buying something that there may be something big to talk about that we will hate him for i'm sure a couple episodes i'm just we'll i'm see. just mad because he won't tell me yeah i know he's he's hoarding it so we'll see if we'll probably get to that in a uh in a couple weeks because it's it's gonna be a, a dandy i'm sure so the only thing i got is today i i was able to because i was not able to crack into the first round because the almighty christopher davis was <laughs> on, on the eBay machine for the first round of the Kevin Smith game-worn jerseys to benefit the Wayne Foundation. Right. I was able to swipe Are you it. trying to tell me that I shouldn't have bid on all of them? N- no. I'm just saying he drove up the prices so high that the ones like the ones that I had walked down, people were like, oh, I can't afford this he, one. He raised money yeah. using other people's yeah, wallets, which is one was, of the yeah. best yes, awesome. approaches. Yeah. 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 That doesn't matter, but I was able to get one for round two. <laughs> so it wasn't the exact one I wanted off the bat because I already have a blue and orange one mm-hmm. from back in the day with a pucky one. I wanted to get one of the newer black and red ones, but it's all good. I got a, um, the, get? I got the Smodcast one. The white one? The, the white surf. one, which is a, like a very, uh, it's, it's like relatively a, rare. It is. It's like a, yeah, it's, it's definitely the, uh, the third alternate Jersey that doesn't get worn too often only on like, you know, sp- special matinee games. Right. But, um, so here we're talking about hockey jerseys worn by Kevin Smith the signed. Wayne Foundation, yeah, signed. The Wayne Foundation is a charity we've probably mentioned before, uh, run by Jamie Walton, supported by Kevin. Fantastic yeah. charity. Yeah. Jamie's great. Yep. Super nice. And and so they, they, as somebody who didn't participate in these auctions for multiple reasons, you know, the, they, they put a bunch on, on eBay yep. and what, like for a week? Yeah, they essentially took everything that was on the storefront that still hadn't sold from Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash mm-hmm. and put them all on eBay. That was probably two weeks ago. Yep. Two weeks ago. There was 12, 14 jerseys. Yeah. Something some like that. got pretty nuts. So, so like, she did heavy. good. She did like, good. I, I think I saw some well before close in the 600s. Yeah. I think the, the one with the Vader voice box crest went mm-hmm. for, I think 720. I think that was the highest one. The Vader one went pretty high. The reverse flash. Oh, that one went high too. Went that one went up, yeah, too. in the sevens. So I I bought mine. I have one of the orange and blue ones. I think we've talked about it in the past. Yep. One of the Smod Castle mm-hmm. ones, which I l- love. It. Uh, I'm happy to say that I didn't pay as much as those prices we just mentioned when I bought it mm-hmm. from Malcolm Ingram five yeah. or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said, but it's all for charity. I mean, it's 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 for a good cause. So. I was allowed to buy, as long as I stayed under a certain number, which I did, mm-hmm. these ones didn't go for as much because there wasn't like, well, first off, I think, you know, all the the heavy hitters blew their wads exactly in the first round. The of, first yeah. round. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was, that was thousands of dollars raised for the foundation. Yeah. Which is great. And I mean, yeah. and I, again, I think we all like kick her. I try to kick over money whenever we can. I know, uh, me and one of the guys online did like a weight loss challenge for it. It was, you know, a couple hundred bucks there and, you know, I don't think I've, I've donated any in quite a while, so I apologize, Jamie. Um, last time I did- That was Sean Hogarty talking, Jamie? <laughs> Sean Hi, Jamie. with an S? Yep. Uh, last time, well, one of the times I did a number of years ago, um, you know, I ended up Skyping with Jamie for a while, which was pretty cool. That was, uh, you know, she was she was a lot of fun, fun to talk to, and, uh, and she's just cool. So definitely, folks, you know, look for ways to donate and help out with that. Yeah, you get a few cause. extra ducats, yep. throw it Jamie's way. Yeah, she said good people going for your cause, and she does the right stuff with it and everything. So when uh, you you guys haven't received your jerseys yet, have you? I received mine from from the first the round. Yep. Okay. mine they just ended today. Like I literally was, oh, okay. I was on the treadmill 
at lunch at the gym running in my f- I heard <laughs> that eBay noise to my head. Treadmill, gym. It's I don't sh- know these words. It says robot you run on. It sounds exhausting. <laughs> it is, but I I need to. So nice. need to be good. But um yeah, I was on the treadmill and you know, I usually like when I run, I put the hood on, put the hood up on my hoodie, yeah. I crank the you know, the metal music, I close my eyes and I just really? go on the treadmill. Yeah, and I do like uphill and stuff like that. And, oh my god, if I close my eyes I'd fall over. Yeah, I probably would no. too. <laughs> it's the only way it's, it just it takes the uh if I if not I'll sit there stare at the screen and it just seems like longer than it needs to be. So I just anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm running around and I'm like I pant hair on and I'm like jamming all of a sudden I hear like that little eBay noise and I'm like shit Woo. hit the hit the big like the <laughs> like the stop the thing stop on the treadmill button. pop out buy a hockey jersey. Okay, I sit there nice. and I watch it for t- okay I win. Okay, back to run. So I got my jersey. So no, you're, you're looking, you're looking slim and fit. I, I should point out this is the first time I've seen you are wearing what I would call a baseball jersey. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, yeah. but it's a, a fan man shirt, podcast. You know, it's got the, it's got a, a green ring neck and green kind of three quarter sleeves, and then white with the fan man logo yeah, on it. And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty sweet looking. Yeah, it's very Benny the Jet Rodriguez. If anyone's ever seen the Sandlot. <laughs> so. Yeah, so yeah, um, we one thing we do have is we do have a pretty cool logo, if I do say so yeah, myself. Yeah, I like so, it. And if anyone wants a Fanman logo t-shirt or hoodie, they can go to tpublic.com and just search for Fanman and design themselves a shirt. Eventually, we will uh, we'll pull that stuff together, but it's it's yeah. I kind of need one. Yeah, they're cool. So Jen, I know I don't need one, but I kind of need one. Christmas is coming up. Yeah, that's the right. Perfect stocking stuffer. They can be like, "Oh, that's a cool logo. What the hell is that?" I don't know. All right, so this is a good buying hunt episode where you guys spend hundreds of dollars and I spend jack. So there we go. It's your loving life right now. Yeah, I, I Jen's like I feel pretty more. good. Hi, Jen. Sean's in the black. Yeah, I I, I had the uh, the f- the first time since we kind of started this what a couple months ago, uh, getting used to the fact that that my wife actually listens to what we say. And sometimes it's complimentary. Hey, that was funny when you said this, or when Chris said that, or when DJ did this. But the, how much was that new microphone, stuff like that? I, we, we need to work strategically to figure out how to not make my wife ask any more questions. God bless that you listens, because mine, not a huge fan of my brand of whimsy. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, mine, mine yeah, actually. Why are you listening, Jen? Yeah. Mine actually shared one of the, I put the link out on Facebook. And my wife actually shared it, and I was like, "Oh wow!" I noticed that. That's kind of nice. I didn't even know she paid. I thought I didn't know we were yeah. friends on Facebook. <laughs> we love you, wives. Yeah. So what hey, are we so, going to talk about this? Week? So it's it's a slow news week. Um, actually, we have one quick hint. Hit. Sorry. Um, they cast Black Mask for the Birds of Prey movie. Oh yes, yes. they did. So I thought this thing was going to f- completely fall off the map. I didn't like the casting of the heroine so far, but Hugh McGregor is going to play Black Mask, so I'm in. And and yeah. Uh, Ewan McGregor in anything is good for me. Yeah, is that the second time we're talking? Was he cast in the yeah Doctor Sleep? Ca- he's yeah, he's in, in the Doctor Sleep movie. Yeah, so. so I think he's I think he's filming that. I think he's they start in January. I heard, or it's going something like that. Doctor Sleep or Birds of Prey. Doctor Sleep. Okay, it's coming up, and then they're gonna jump. He'll jump into that. So awesome. Yeah, give me cool. give me more Obi Wan. Hmm. As he's not singing, dancing like Moon Rouge. That was <laughs> fucking weird. So today, it was a sl- slow news cycle, so not a lot to talk about currently. So we're going to go go dip back into uh, the 80s. Um, we all like movies. Yes. I love movies. I, I love the 80s. Me too. <laughs> I do also like the 80s. I was uh, a little younger in them for the most part, but still love it. Yeah, actually. I was going to say. What, just, just general context. What was your experience in the 80s, DJ? So I was- Like what I, was your life? What was your school? You know- uh, elementary school, lots of video games, lots of cartoons. Like I said before, I was basically raised by a VCR. I've always been a huge movie fan. So I've, I mean, I've watched a ton of movies. Stuff we're going to talk about today that you're like, you know, I probably watched when I was seven, eight years old. I shouldn't have watched this shit when I was seven or eight years old. Yeah. So I had, uh, the restrictions was, uh, not really there. <laughs> so, I mean, so most of the stuff- of like Blockbuster and stuff? Oh, I yeah. don't remember. Oh, yeah. We used yeah. to actually have a video store at the bottom of the street. I, I would just, you know, we'd walk down to me and my buddies, take the bike down, grab a trash bag full of cans, redeem them at the liquor store. And next to the liquor store okay, was a, a movie store. And yep. Go rent a Nintendo game and a movie. That's awesome. So most yeah. of this stuff we're going to talk about, I, I didn't see this like later on in life. I've This was all real time for me. Mm-hmm. So, and, and in Massachusetts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I was- in Massachusetts, all throughout the eighties, okay. I didn't. So when did you move to Hawaii? I went. Uh, I think so. Freshman year of high school, I was in Massachusetts. 
The year after that was Texas and Hawaii split, and I was in Hawaii for the next like three and a half, four years. Okay. okay. Which which included high school. Yeah, so. and then ended up the end in of high school. Yeah, then ended up in Arizona for college. Okay. So did a year in middle school in Arizona as well. Yeah. So. How about you, Chris? What is the eighties time frame for you? Eighties time frame, it was pretty much all mess. I mean okay. born and raised in the area, still still living in the area. Um most of these movies, Sean, you probably had a similar experience, we're a little older than you. So yep. some of these we actually saw in the theater. Yeah. Um more towards the tail end. Yeah. It was still any of those early to mid eighties catching up a lot of HBO yeah. afternoon I, cable. I definitely did not do a lot of movie theaters. Um, there was like four of us. So going to the movies was not really a thing. So but having, went, having rental. Yeah. The only time I got to the movies, like with one of my buddies, parents were taking us or, you know, like if Ninja Turtles came out, my buddy's aunt would take us or something like that. And in the eighties, a movie theater around here was two screens. I mean, yeah. they weren't very yeah, big. Yeah. White City, White City no, had three. That yeah. was like the big one. Mine in high school was one screen. So I, I think Marlboro had three. I mean, yeah, now you walk into it was places, a much AMT, different there's 26 experience. of them or something. Yeah. So, so you guys have clean answers. I actually don't remember without thinking about it. I went to high school. I graduated in 89, and I went to high school in Northern California. But before that, I lived in eighth grade in Montgomery, Alabama, seventh grade in seventh and sixth grade in Burke, Virginia. And then where was I before that? Uh Belleville, Illinois, basically for the early eighties. So, so I have kind of a fragmented experience with it, but, but the eighties high school, Northern California, you know, that's, that's kind of my sweet spot. Yeah. Plus like you guys were of the age where when this stuff was coming out, like this was all like everyone around you was probably watching it. And there's yeah. probably a lot of chatter about a lot of these things. And yeah. Whereas you were getting it both younger and you were probably alone in some of this consumption. I was. Compared my, um, to your peers. I've always been real close to my uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two uncles that are both phenomenal, but my uncle Barry was my godfather a little bit closer. So he's always, you know, we used to watch stuff and he had like the hot box and everything. So get the- cause we used Everybody to, had an uncle with a hot box. Oh yeah. So when the stuff would hit like, you know, pay-per-view and we could, I could watch a little bit and, you know, like I said, we'd rent movies, he'd rent movies for me and stuff like that. And so, so yeah, yeah. but like I love 80s movies. It's possibly the best decade for movies ever. I, I'm not saying like the quality of the movie, but just like the the, the memorability of the movies. I, I, yeah, we, we're probably I really biased like yeah. that, but yeah. Because they were the movies we the, cut our teeth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these were the ones we were experiencing. And most of the stuff, most stuff we're going to talk about in this segment, it's going to be stuff that no one should be, this isn't going to be a foreign thing to a lot of people. I mean, this is all still stuff that's very highly pop culture oh, relevant. Yeah. So yeah, most know. people are going to listen and say, well, no shit you like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, Yes, I mean, let's get the, uh, let's get the no shit Sherlock ones right off the bat. So they didn't all come out in the eighties, but Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. two of the, you know, the holy three, um, Empire considered by a very large majority of the Star Wars fan base to be the best Star Wars movie. Yeah. Personally, think, I'm a New Hope guy, be. but it's, it's a yeah. one beat. I mean, I've tried to think about the, that at various times to yeah, see still how the much I think of that, camp. but I just remember Empire, Hoth, the snow, the the walkers, the, you know, that that rooted it for me. And then everywhere else it went on top of that. Well, and I think some of it was, Empire was the first one I saw on the big screen. Mm-hmm. That would do so it. So what they did, when they released Empire, they re-released Star Wars. That yeah. thing's been back in theaters. A New Hope's yeah. been back in theaters oh, a dozen yeah. times. So dad took me to see Empire. And then it was probably a year or two later that I saw Star Wars. Yep. New Hope on the big screen before Jedi yeah. came out. So it's that first one. It was kind of the gateway drug. <laughs> it's I just the first remember, one you experienced and it's I, always going to have that spot. I have a permanent bitterness because my uncle caused us to be late to the Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Now we're into the bad uncle phase. Yeah. So this isn't the one with the hot boxes when you watch. No, I didn't have, no, I didn't have a hot box uncle, but, uh, but yeah, we, <laughs> we showed up. And Luke was hanging in the Yeti, the, 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 um, damn it. Wampa. Wampa it's cave. Wampa yeah. Cave. I would have gotten there. Um, I work with a guy named Yeti and so it's oh, there you go. stuck there. But, um. I have a coffee cup named Yeti. <laughs> he, so does he, which is, yeah, logical. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that, that sticks with me. But Empire is unassailable and probably doesn't need further discussion. No, but is. Nothing Star I mean, says Star Wars is. But try- the context for every other sci-fi movie in the 80s, mm-hmm. right? In terms really of is. when was it? When was Empire? Empire was 80, 1980. 
Yeah, it, it was that dead, was that it early. Yeah. The Jedi, 80s, was yeah. 80, wow. Jedi was eighty four. Jedi was eighty four. Yeah, Blue Harvest. Yeah, we had uh, Mad Max in nineteen eighty. That's um, a good one. Also, one that was technically seventy nine, but I experienced it in the eighties, and I don't remember. I can't imagine I saw this in the theater, but I actually might have. Which means my mom was a bad parent. But there's uh, time after time. You ever seen that one? No. Malcolm McDowell as H.G. Wells, going oh. after, uh, going after Jack the Ripper in late seventies Los Angeles. I'm sorry, what? Mary Steenburgen as his girlfriend that he meets there. You know, DJ uh, and I are taking yeah. notes here. It's, yeah, it's getting so, watched this week. I've never heard of this. It, it's fantastic. And you as a Back to the Future guy, it's Mary Steenburgen. Let's just say it's flipped. I won't spoil it for you. Okay. But she uh, she falls in love with a man out of time. Ooh. and uh, Speaking of her, mm-hmm. sidetrack, if you watch her back in the 80s, like I remember her from Parenthood, mm-hmm. and you watch her like say- Go through Back to the Future, and then later on, when she was in like Step Brothers, when she was on Last Man on Earth, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a human being on the planet who's like aged as well as she does. Oh yeah, she is like she's in her sixties, and she is still I knock she's in her sixties. I think so. Yeah, late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, and she's actually gotten like hotter as the years go on. I don't well, know. I just anyway, side note. I just you know I, she's, she's she's always a good sign in a yeah, production. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. That's I've never heard of that one. That one's getting watched. After time. So which other? I, I mean, so, I've got a bunch. Oh, I've got a bunch. Me, yeah, so. yeah. So and and the thing is, too, is like we're gonna try to cover all the '80s genres as we go through this, and most of the things in the '80s could fall left or right depending on what side yeah. of your line. So here's one that could fall sci-fi or it could fall comedy. But I'm talking about now, possibly one of my favorite '80s movies, Weird Science. Oh yeah. Oh, it's Hall of Famer. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's a Mount Rushmore movie. So it's great. Um, Kelly O'Brock obviously was. Yeah. You know, big. Um, Anthony Michael Hall was awesome. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Yeah, Bill Paxton. Um, the late, great Chet, Bill Paxton. Chet. <laughs> uh, the I was about a they greasy t- pork sandwich. Served in a dirty ashtray. And it we just, it's just so quotable. Mm-hmm. I took up the doll. Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s in it? Yeah, he is. He is, yeah. He's one of the two dickheads that Max Neal got. Oh, so oh yeah. Party yeah. I need to go back and watch yep. that. And uh, the scene, I remember like, I used to laugh. I don't know why it was funny. Probably because there's a lot of curse words and stuff, but I still laugh now. And actually, I've talked to him about the scene because we were out drinking one night, me and Anthony McHall. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, the whole jazz club scene when he is just loaded. Worst um, band is. <laughs> Bitch, need my nuts, man. Um, just su- such a great movie. So funny. It still holds up to this day. So I think a lot of these movies actually still hold up pretty well. So yeah, we're trying to one agree. of them. Yeah, you can rewatch a lot of these. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Um, In terms of. 80s movies? I mean, anything in the Hughes canon. Oh. Yeah. I mean, just work your way right through. Hold on, I mean, we're talking sci-fi Yeah, but for here. sci-fi. Sci-fi? Yeah. yeah. We're jumping there. I'm all yeah. over the place here. Yeah, jump sci-fi. Um, I'd have to go back to, I mean, you have Blade Runner, you have this. Blade Runner is, that's, is definitely on my I, list. If we're, we've kind of already touched on the Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of falls right Blade, there in that. Blade spot. Runner, I, I had this weird thing where I collected- movie novelizations, mm. right? I had the paperbacks. And so I couldn't, you know, there you couldn't really buy VHSs when I started doing this, but I could buy the paperbacks and feel like I had the movies and, and read and live through that stuff. So many of them were written by Alan Dean Foster. Um, I think I had some of those same books. But I had, so the Philip K. Dick book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, mm-hmm. basis for Blade Runner. So they released that with the Blade Runner poster on and the Blade Runner art and logo and stuff like that. And so I read it before I was ever able to see the movie. Well, I was going to say, I, I was going to ask that question. Mm-hmm. I know, and we b- talked about this on a previous episode, we started reading things Early. probably yeah. earlier than oh, we yeah. should have yes. with some of these. Those books were a little bit of a gateway to um, some of that stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. As soon as those paperbacks were coming out with the movie poster on the front, that was kind of- Yeah, it got you reading. getting into yeah. some of these stories. Yeah, I was already reading it, but but Your parents weren't going to complain did. if you were reading. Absolutely. They might not let you see the movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But you could get the same- How about uh, Last Starfighter? It went oh, a big Last Starfighter. That, right? Yes. Yeah. The, uh, watching it, watching it more recently, it's kind of cheesy and kind of derivative, 
but it, it mixed in this the trailer park kid who wants to get out of the small town and this space adventure and video games. And I mean, it's just had so many, was it somebody in the Kodan Armada or I don't remember. Yeah, I remember all the terminology. I just remember watching that. I used to watch that, and I used to watch War Games a lot, which War Games, you could kind of maybe miss. It's, probably more, it's, it's probably more drama action than sci-fi. Yeah, but it's yeah, got tech sci-fi elements. There. I mean, that's, How about, um, that's what made me want a computer in the first place. Yeah. The first modem with the mm. damn dial-up telephone. Yeah. How about uh, um, Enemy of Mine? Everyone Enemy of Mine was fantastic, yep. That was a good one. Tron. Tron, yep. Tron is yeah, Tron great. I love Tron. Con. <laughs> <laughs> I never watched the Star Trek stuff till later on in life. But yeah, um, Wrath of Khan is a, is a crazy yeah. good movie. I mean, so original, where do you? Yeah. Oh, good. Sorry, I was just say the the original Star Trek movie was like seventy nine or something like that. Yep. I think that sounds right. Yeah, but and it bombed. But Wrath of Khan came out, and I did. I saw Star Trek what one. Was that the, about 80, 82. 82. It was that quick, huh? Yep. And and it, you know, I watched the Star Trek. The first Star Trek movie, I remember sitting there as a kid and loving seeing the lush, giant new Enterprise and the, you know, it was, it was fantastic. But watching Wrath of Khan was just this energetic, dramatic, holy crap, Captain Kirk's cheesy, but now he's in this non-cheesy I don't know. It was fantastic. I remember, I remember seeing the scene when he puts the worms in the helmet for the oh, check oh. yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, that was bad Oh, You mentioned not... that. I still have the visual. Yeah. Of a cron- mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Star Trek's not that lame anymore. So what do you guys come down on Buckaroo Bonza? That's a good one. So- it is good. That's, it's, it's definitely sci-fi. Um, I watched it when I was younger. Didn't get it at all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough get. Oh, we didn't get it until college. I, don't I still don't I've know if I fully- yeah, I don't, you don't think you've ever seen it. No, no, I didn't watch it until I think college, maybe on VHS, you know, rented from some uh, thing on the street. But I, I enjoy it. John Lithgow, you know, different aspects of it. Jeff Goldblum, you know, Je- yeah, but cowboy Jeff Goldblum. But I honestly don't really like it. It's not. It's not my cup of tea. But it clearly counts, it's, and it's influential and important. It's one that yeah. people either love or hate. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be a middle ground with that. I don't hate it. I don't I, hate it. I, I've tried to, f- especially recently, the last like five years, I've tried to like, force yeah. myself to like it because I know it's yeah, it's a big Kevin movie. Yeah, and I, I just I can't do it. I just, I can't like I understand like I understand why people do like it, but it's just it's just that could be a time and place thing too. He's enough older than us that exactly it probably is. Like if I saw that like fresh when I was like thirteen in the theater, I'd probably be like, oh, mm-hmm. this is the coolest thing ever. It's all off the wall and everything. But I mean, you guys will laugh. At my top one, but I'd go ET. No, that's See, I don't like ET. That. I hate ET. And ET, you're talking you're an 80, 82? Yeah. So I'm eight years me. old going to see this in the theater. Oh, yeah. That's probably one of the first big movies that I've gone to see. Mm-hmm. I don't like to cry at the movies, and ET makes me cry. Well, yeah. But it's also, I remember being affected by hearing, uh, I think it was Henry Thomas, the kid, is that he? Mm-hmm. Hearing him call his sister, or somebody called somebody penis breath. And that was a foundational thing for me because, because I don't. Did he call his older brother? I I can remember called somebody. Is it around the dinner table? There's like little arguments. Uh huh. And and I don't know why that stuck with me, but that was one of the the. I'm sure I'd heard profanity or something at that point, right? I was 11 or 12, but but I'd never heard creative, random dick joke profanity, and and (laughs) you know. It's just always stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, I obviously E.T. is a phenomenal movie, and yeah. I think it was just, I saw it when I was, you know, about six. Yeah. And it was just like, you know what it was too, is like, I think by the time I was six or seven, when I saw E.T., I was so deep in the Star Wars stuff. I was like- mm-hmm. That's also a weird age to watch it, I think. It right? is. It, it is. It is. Because it's, uh, it's like, like I said, I don't like to cry movies. I get- tugged on the heartstrings enough where it's like, I don't want to be, I don't like to be super sad when I watch movies. That's why like- you know, they're not really sci-fi movies, they're cartoons, like in the eighties, like the land before time movies and stuff like that. Oh, I, <laughs> I can't watch any of that stuff anymore because I don't, I don't want to be, like it takes me back to when I was a kid and I remember crying mm-hmm. in the, you know, on the couch. I don't want to be sad watching yeah. movies. Well, there, there's a couple more that I'd, I'd okay. pluck out on. Well, I'm going to jump. Oh yeah, go. I would jump from Buckaroo Bondi. So probably my, one of the kings of 80s sci-fi, Robocop. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Robocop. Movie is Almost flawless. I don't think I saw that until the 90s. Because I saw it when was, I was like seven. Once again, a movie dude, I should not have yeah, watched when I was seven. That's a hard Have you seen the uncut oh, X-rated yeah. version? Yeah. 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 They, awesome. They dropped it on Amazon. 
Really? Yeah. The uncut version one was on Prime Video by mistake for a week <laughs> or so. It's just, uh, you know, it's got everything like a kid could want. Guns, robots, <laughs> more robots, more guns, claymation or stop motion animation, you know. Predator. Ooh, yeah, that's I, a good I one. I did see that in the theater. And you've got Arnie and a badass alien. Is that about 86? That was after it Terminator, was, uh, 87. Right? Well, um, it was after yeah, ter- yes. Terminator, which Terminator 84, was 84. And that was also, you know, that, I don't, I don't remember when I saw that, but I remember seeing and reading about it. I think I read about it in, uh, what's the cinematography, uh, magazine, um, so you get Fangoria for the gore, you got Starlog for the sci-fi stuff. I read that. And then American Cinematographer, maybe. It's a it's kind of a horizontal format, thick, well, you know. Okay. Yeah, these were all ones that I saw on VHS yeah. after the fact. Dad would let me see these. See, I saw Predator, like it's weird. Like one of the, like Predator, I don't think I was allowed to watch. All my friends had seen it, and mm-hmm. I was told, no, you can't watch that. And I'm like, but I watch all this other oh, shit. Like, yeah. Dad couldn't wait to bring it home. It's got I think, Paul you know, Creed in it. It's got Jesse the Body in it. I, I, I think someone had told my mom or my girl, whoever told me I couldn't watch about the, the skin guy, the guy who gets skinned. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. think that was probably what set over the edge. I wanted to see it because, you know, the Terminator was in it. I've seen Terminator at that point in time, but it's like, I'm a, as we talked about, I'm a big wrestling guy. Oh, Jesse yeah. Ventura. Jesse the Body Ventura yeah. carrying a gun of all guns. The yeah. Vulcan, which I actually have the Nerf version of it. Mm. And I actually have the instructions, the instructions I could make a chest mount for it, but he's got like the best line. Probably, That's awesome. He's got one of the best <laughs> lines in movies that I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. I love that line. It's yeah. still, it's still great. That's good. Yeah. Predator, Predator was an awesome one. How about, um, let's see. Another I got one two that, major ones. Yeah. We'll I'm going to see if you get to it. Have. Yeah. So right. I'm, I'm, I was, I was trying to go more off the wall with some of the stuff. So yeah. one that once again could fall half sci-fi, half action, Escape from New York. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yep. Because it's kind of dystopian. I yep, kind of count that sure. as sci-fi. Yep. Yeah, no. Okay. I don't that. think I saw that until like college or even after. It I was, saw it. It was late. I never saw it. Yeah. It was years and years later. I saw it when when um, Escape from LA came out. Mm-hmm. That's. And I that's think like, that's when I saw it. And I was like, oh, there's a first one. Let's go watch that. Yeah. And I kind of was like, it was Carpenter. And I was like, yeah. oh, I like his yep. stuff a lot. So I can yep. talk about how much I like Halloween, the way it's yep. filmed and everything. Right. So, so you, that's a great one. What, what were you thinking of, Chris? You- Aliens. Yeah, so that was <laughs> that was one of them. It's uh, that's one of my two. There's two big. Im- that I can't remember if I saw Aliens before I saw Alien. I think I probably. I think did. I saw Aliens yeah. first, and then went back and saw yeah. Alien after. I saw Aliens after. As we talked about, we've touched DJ, upon it. DJ it's, don't do the scary. Aliens. Yeah, it's, it's. But I went no, back. I remember me. I went back and watched Aliens because of two main things. One, there used to be an Alien arcade game. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. a beat 'em up. You mean in the in the arcade, in the arcade. or on Sega? Because the Alien Three Sega game was a favorite. Yeah, no, I was gonna. No, this was like Aliens. It was before Three came. So it was, when Aliens came out, they did an arcade game, and it was like a uh, side-scrolling beat 'em up kind of game where you just walk around yep. and punch the aliens. Um, yep. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then the um, figures came out. I think it was was it Toy Wiz made them maybe or maybe LJN, but they had the the figures came with all the cool guns and stuff like that, and they had mm. Corporal Hicks. And I was like, oh, Corporal Hicks looks like mm. a bad dude. And uh, Corporal Hicks Michael is Bean. A, yeah. my, uh, mm-hmm. Corporal Hicks is a very cool movie character. Mm-hmm. So I started watching it for that. Got through it with fast forwarding through some parts and closing my eyes because I said I, don't, I didn't like scary at the time. Um, I've watched it fully since then, and you don't I do want like it. dropping out of the ceiling. Game over, man. Like Game over. Yeah, no, no. But I wish I had. I wish I wasn't such a bitch when I was a little kid. <laughs> because <laughs> if if I if I had been and I I got hooked, like all my buddies love it. Yeah, I'm saying I always get scared too easy, but if I had watched it when I was like nine and could get through without being scared shitless, yeah. um, I would have liked it a lot more because it is—it's an awesome movie. It really, it's is. got it's military. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's got action. It's got uh, Sigourney Weaver as yeah, yeah. She's all the only thing too is like I have like this. We'll get to one of these. I I, I have this disdain for like James Cameron movies. Wow. Yeah, we're. I don't we're know need why. To revisit That's gonna that. be a whole episode. Yeah. I don't know why. I just, I just I don't get the James Cameron thing. I'm like yeah yeah. yeah. But Chris and Sean beat up DJ, the James Cameron episode. <laughs> the James Cameron episode. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> I don't know if I feel that strongly, but. Yeah. No, I, just, but I, just, the, I mean, I just don't get it. Like Avatar, Titanic. You, you know why I'm a James Cameron fan? And it is rooted in these, his 80s movies. That was actually one of the ones I was going to hit, The Abyss. Mm. And it actually gets to the heart of why I'm such a fan of those movies and James Cameron. And I realize it has little to do with, 
where it has much less to do with the movies, the story, and the content, which I actually am a fan of, but because I'm a production geek, right? And so That's... the, you know, the abyss in particular, the story of the production of the abyss, the fact that they actually shot it underwater in millions of gallons of, you know, in a, mm -hmm. in an empty nuclear cooling tank in Gaffney, Georgia, right? It's the documentary Under Pressure, The Making of the Abyss. It's an hour-long thing. It was on the DVD or Blue. You must watch it. It is why it's I like James Cameron. I've never he's seen an that asshole. Movie. Really? He's a perfect. You he freaking dove. He found the Titanic and dove to the bottom of the freaking ocean to shoot parts of a movie. I mean, that's, oh, I know. that's why I like James they make, Cameron. They make fun of me on South Park. You ever seen well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the thing with Cameron, and it's much the same thing with Lucas. What... I don't particularly love all of Cameron's movies. There's certainly ones that yeah. I do enjoy a great deal. It's the fact that he has enough vision that yeah. I have things in my head that we haven't even invented yet. Yeah. As we're going through this production, I got to mm -hmm. figure out how I'm going to get what's in my head right now mm -hmm. onto the screen for yeah. you to enjoy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, the documentary is a perfect example yeah. of it. The lengths he's gone to for Avatar, oh, yeah. the years of pre-production yeah. to get to what Pandora would look like yeah. on screen and yeah. some of that. I'm very impressed with that kind he's, of stuff. He's driven like, you're right, like Lucas, he has driven technology that's, for production, not just technology for that's, you know, CG. That's yeah. probably the closest comparison I could come to. I mean, the reason you have industrial light magic now is because Lucas needed things to make his movies that yeah, he, yep. he, he didn't spaceships. have before. Mm -hmm. He needed spaceships to And fly. now everybody's using it. industrial light. Pixar. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, make, George Lucas created Pixar. Let's yep, not forget yep, that. Yep, absolutely. You don't have The Incredibles and in Toy Story if it wasn't for George Lucas. No, exactly. Yeah, it's not, so just- We'll show back on so everyone doesn't like I don't get murdered. So, <laughs> it's not a lack of respect thing for Cameron. It's not a if anybody wants. Oh yeah, no, and that's okay. that's what I realized yeah, yeah. is is So I'd never seen yeah. the Abyss. So I will You watch the Abyss it's and spooky, watch the right? Um no. It looks spooky. No. So there's there's the original theatrical version. I suggest you watch the special edition or the director's cut, which It's worth the watch. Yeah, it's worth the it watch. It really is. Um but it's it's no. just you'll you'll love it, DJ. Is that Andy McDowell in that? Uh no, it's uh um Oh, Julia Roberts. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Yeah. Okay. Ed Harris, Michael Bean, um, a uh, bunch. I mean, it's, it's. A bunch it's of those guys. Fan. Like you'll recognize. Yeah. It is a, it is a quintessential eighties movie that is, is sci-fi, but yeah. I think I was thinking of Flatliners, the original Flatliners. Oh, uh, flat, yeah, oh. I mean, that's, that's 90 though, but I, that's what movie. Was it 91? 90, 90. I think 90. I had that movie box in my head when I was. Oh, I yeah. love Flatliners. We'll get to that in another yeah. episode. Spaceballs. So. Spaceballs, yeah, another one. It could, you could ride the comedy. You can go either way. Um, I got one that we kind of, and this is in your wheelhouse mm -hmm. with the love of wrestling. They live. Oh yeah, yeah. they live. See, not, it not is, one I saw. It is one of my guilty pleasures. That's one of the, that was like, what John Wick is now, if it's on, yeah. I'm oh, going to really? get sucked into it. Really? I will watch They Live over yeah. and over and over We, we just talked about, you know, I ain't got time to bleed. I think someone like decided to give the rest of us the best lines of the 80s because I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum and all the bubblegum. A lot of bubblegum. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Um, here's a weird off-the-wall one. that Another one that I had, I mean, you think I shouldn't be watching Terminator and Robocop at seven years old? No. Under no circumstance on God's green earth should I have seen the Toxic Avenger when oh, I was seven geez. or eight years old? That's in any of the trauma movies, but I ended up watching like all that shit. We could have touched on him for the shared universes. Last we could have the trauma films. So you know could have. I don't think I've actually seen. I certainly have seen clips. I'm aware of the characters. I'm aware of Lloyd Kaufman. All you, know, but but I am actually not. I'm not sure I've ever actually watched one of those. We I saw the movie because some. So the trauma movies are. They're, they're bad. <laughs> I mean, they're awful. And they yeah, have everything that- On purpose. Are, but on purpose, Exactly. Yes. That's but what makes can, them- They contain every element of stuff that a small child shouldn't see in movies. Oh, yeah. Dismemberment, death. Gore, Tits boobs. left and right. Yeah. 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 But somehow they, they got the Tasha Crusader into a, an animated series. <laughs> an awesome one, too. Like, yeah. an awesome one. So I went back. I was like, oh, my God. There's a live action Toxie movie. Heaven on mm -hmm. Earth. I need to see this. Uh, Not a good idea. Yeah. Learned a lot of stuff I didn't want to know. It was, uh, it, it was a great a great era. Technically, it also included you know Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yep. Uh, Star Trek Four. Yep. Voyage. You know the Voyage Home. I mean, touch uh, back on some of the Stephen King stuff too. The Running Man. I was, oh, that's, that's, that's actually I, yeah. my, my that's my absolute favorite sci-fi movie in the eighties. Is really? Running Man. See, I I had actually read 
read the actual book. That ties back in. Right. That was one of those paperbacks yes. that I had with the cover of the movie, the movie poster yeah. on the cover. But I read it, it was one of, that was, it was one, one of, of the, the short stories. It was right? in, it was a Richard Bachman short story, I think, not published under Stephen King. And I, I think it was in a Bachman books collection. The, was the, it in the, the Bachman long walks? Books? Or uh, I think, was there a collection called the there Bachman books? There was one books? called yeah, the Bachman books. That's probably it then. Um, but I, I, I had read it before it ever came on. And yeah, that's a great one. I love that movie. It's just, it's, I, I don't know what it's like. The characters are great in it. I should rewatch it. Was it Buzzsaw, Fireball, Electro, <laughs> and uh, And again, there's Dr. Sub-Zero. Dr. Sub-Zero. Dr. Sub-Zero. Richard Dawson was, hosting. I mean, it was yeah. perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Richard Dawson hosting. Uh, Jesse Ventura. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> going back to, going back to Kevin LaFleur. Is yeah. The security guard. He was. That. I, yeah. Oh, I need it to go back and watch that. Just kicking, yep. So who was, I think he was one of Arnie's buddies from Mr. Universe, I think, right? So yeah, so we just threw a bunch of stuff out there. So give me, is is what's like probably, if you had to pick one sci-fi movie to go watch right now from the 80s, which one that we talked about, which, what would you want to, what, what now, and now we talked about, what do you want to go watch the most again? I mean, pro- for me, it might be The Abyss, just because I'm re-reminded of, of how much I love it. Though... All the others, uh, it's a tough call. No, Star Trek for the Voyage Home. The whale Because that one I haven't actually seen in the longest time. And I, 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 I met uh, James doing, no, it wasn't. So, so in the prep to that movie, they came to where I worked because I worked with whales and dolphins at Marine World Africa, USA in Vallejo, California. I haven't thought about this. James Dewan came, uh, Shatner came, though I wasn't there that day. And, and so I was aware of it before it happened. And so that was just a big deal. That's insane. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I was going back to watch one. Now would probably be the original Terminator. Mm. That's probably the one that's been the longest since I've sat down and watched that. I've seen them. Start a to bunch. front. Yeah. Always had a soft spot for it, but I haven't seen it in forever. Yeah. For me, even though like I, I you know, put weird signs on the Mount Rushmore, like now we've talked about a lot of the other like more like uh serious movies, I'm probably gonna go back and watch. It's it's probably gonna be Running Man. I love that movie. Movie's awesome. Absolutely awesome. So I might actually go I'm gonna watch Running Man this weekend. So I have it. So excellent. Cool. So that was our little sci fi round table. We're gonna Jump into the Famine Top 3 for this week. So we're going to stick in the 80s, and we're going to stick with movies. And we're going to go scores from movies. These are not soundtracks. These are the scores. So the majority of the album for, or music in the movie can't have words. We're just doing musical stuff for right now. Mm. So just because we there's so much good stuff from the decade, we have to split up as much as we can. Oh, by the way, also, I know I did not mention Back to the Future, that's a given. It's well, yeah. We were kind of waiting for that for me. I just, I, I don't want to keep hammering the horse with Star Wars and Back to the Future, but so it's, it's a given. It's so I'm, I'm, I'm torn about what should be my number three. Um, I'm going to pick one that I know you guys would never pick. You know, just to be out of left field. It's technically not one I think I heard in the '80s, but it's from the '80s. Um, you guys familiar with Philip Glass, the composer? Yes. All right. So it's a movie called Koyana Skatsi. And, and his, so it's a, it's a weird kind of time-lapse, you know, environmental urban landscape, weird thing that has a score that is challenging. Like a big piece of it is literally Goyaneskatsi. I mean, it's just, yeah. But for me, really into a wide variety of music, composition, you know, I almost minored in music, even though I have a geek degree. And and it was a foundational score for me. And nobody, no, you guys would never touch on it. So I'm going to throw it out there as something you guys should listen to and go, Hogarty, you like some weird crap. So this is the uh, the audio head cool. talking. Yeah. Okay. 
Sweet. Not wrong with that. And it's the visuals are, it's just. So what's it called it's again? Strange. It's called. Koyaniskatsi. K-O-Y-A-A-N-I-S-Q-A-T-S-I, I think. Well, it's going deep cuts right off the bat. Seriously. I like it. Well, it's a good number three. You'd there you go. Pick it. You guys are going to notice a theme through all of mine. Mine too. I thought about this, it all came back to the same guy. It's really how I'm racking and stacking them. So for my number three, I'm going to go with the Witches of Eastwick. Oh, nice. Wow. Nice. That's one of those, I mean, comedy, um, little fantasy there, but that's one of those, the music in that movie. Shot near always, here, not too far away. It was shot very close to here, Mass, but that's one of those, the music always stuck with me. And usually in comedies and things mm-hmm. like that, it, it's just background noise. Yeah. Right? It's like the background in like Ferris Bueller or something like that. You, there's something going on in the background, but you're really not focusing mm-hmm. on it. For that one, it kind of made the movie for me. So I can't remember who composed that, but I have a weird connection to that score. When I worked at Marine World, um, I worked in show productions, running the music and the mics and stuff for all the live shows. And we usually pulled the soundtracks for the different shows from either production libraries or scores. Most of the actual good scores were CDs put out by this label, Varese Sarabande. I don't know how you pronounce it, but... The Witches of Eastwick score had a couple of tracks that we used in either our Whale and Dolphin show or in the Bird show. That and actually Mr. John Williams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what, was all, it? It was. I he should that. know that. Was, that was Minor Williams in the world of Major Williams. So that's-, that's It uh, was, yeah. yeah. It's one of his yeah. lesser- So now I need to go back and listen and figure out which show and which track. But that's, that's awesome. That's good. So none of mine are going to be imaginative or deep. <laughs> so the rest of mine are, but you, DJ, I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I usually like to try to go at least off the wall with one or two, but mine are all pretty much just, you know, mm-hmm. they're, like I said, they're all up front and in the spotlight. Number three, I'm going the Tron soundtrack or score from Tron. Um, I saw that movie at my grandmother's house on VHS. She used to just buy all the Disney movies mm-hmm. to keep for me and my cousins. And uh, that was kind of what started the whole computer thing with me. I'm an IT guy now. I love computers, love video games, and Tron was it. It was like the guy goes in the computer and it was like, whoa, I want to go on a fucking computer. But the 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 music is just awesome. It's very cool. It's very, very 80s. It's very 80s, very analog synth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what's special about that score to me is uh, it's composed by Wendy Carlos, one of the foremost uh, users of synthesizers. Uh, she did something called... Uh, switched on Bach and a whole lot of other classical music painstakingly constructed over multiple tracks playing, you know, analog modular synth stuff like that. What's also interesting about her is that she was Walter Carlos when she first did those records. So she was one of the first people I could remember in public life that I, that I learned was, you know, had, had transitioned and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's kind not, of a big deal because she, yeah. because that score and actually her score to The Shining. Um, oh, I know it was the same person. Yeah, same. And Clockwork Orange. Ooh. Oh, right? Good. That William Tell overture that she did. Yeah. 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 So, so just oh, so fantastic. I picked, so I picked a good one. <laughs> yeah, you picked a fantastic one more so than you knew. Yeah, yeah. I just- Sean's eyes started bugging out as yeah, soon as you said oh, it. That's, what, that's what's cool about this one is Sean's yeah. all the, like all the mm. musical background. But yeah, I just like, because I said, I love the movie and I just remember, you know, even when I got the DVD- when the DVD first came out, cause like the anniversary, yeah. like a decade ago, whatever, I was like, I throw it on and you know, the menu has like the main Tron theme on loop. Oh, yeah. I could sleep to that. I could just fall asleep to that and sleep right through I have it. It's just, the, it's just good music. I have the white big box laser disc collector's edition of Tron here. Such a good soundtrack. In fact, like I'm, I'm hoping that I said, I know they will be because there's some in Shanghai, but when the Tron ride is done at Disney world, they're doing uh, a ride. The light cycle. Oh yeah, yeah. The light cycle roller coaster. Will you ride a light cycle at 60 miles an hour? Well, that's not working safe. on it right now. No, it's Cranes they, they already had, they've had it in Shanghai since launch. It's the most spectacular thing you've ever seen. But um, even though, like, I guess on the ride, there's the box where like Daft Punk is up in the box. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of the the Tron Two music. Um, all the waiting queue. It's a lot of the Tron One stuff. That's awesome. That's I'm, very, I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm into that. All right, that's Tron. that's a cool pick. Yeah, Dose. So Dose, my number two, a little more in the the '80s heartland. Um, but hits on a number of other cylinders for me. Top Gun. 
Oh, the score part. The of it. score That's, to yeah. Top Gun. Can either of you remember yeah. who did it? No, I remember. I remember how it goes. It's that. Mm-hmm. That's um. That's one of the themes. Yeah. yeah. Was that? Did Kenny Loggins do the score too? No, Kenny Loggins did, obviously I, had some yeah, of the key soundtracks. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Danger Zone and playing yeah, with yeah, the yeah, boys. Yeah. You know, the the gay volleyball song. Yeah. Awesome. So. R.I.P. Goose. <laughs> R.I.P. Goose. <laughs> too soon, man. Um, so the score to Top Gun, Harold Faltermeyer. Harold Faltermeyer. I'm going to hit on another one. Yeah. Okay, then I, I won't go that far, but I'll say Harold Faltermeyer. Again, I'm a big synth kid, keyboard player since, you know, since I could breathe. And, and Harold Faltermeyer, his scores set a tone for me, both in terms of using synthesizers musically, not just as accents and other things, using synth drums mixed in there, really interesting rhythmic and, and stuff. And I know what Chris is going to talk about, so I'll leave that to him. But I will say that Harold Faltermeyer being used as a sound, as the the composer for Cop Out, the movie that Kevin Smith mm-hmm. directed a while ago. The movie is okay, but the score is amazing. So... My number two is in that same wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And it's the main thing. It's Axel F from yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. That's, that one song? That one yeah. song is perfect. Yeah. And as soon as you hear just the first two notes, I mean, you're do, 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 do. Yep. F, A flat, F. Yeah, I, I, I know the I I know the whole thing, yeah. The first uh, ringtone I ever created my Nokia 3390 back in the day was Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, was it? Yeah, yeah. easiest one to do. <laughs> that was yeah. that was probably the first dirty comedy, that the, you know. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was one of those uh, guilty pleasures that Dad let you watch on yeah. VHS when Mom wasn't around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, no, as soon the, as you said his name, the tones, the bass tones he used, I think it might have been like a Jupiter Eight or a Jupiter Three, a Roland synth. That, that just such, um, such such amazing tones. That song charting as an instrumental it's, i mean you hadn't had a lot of it was instrumental like, that was one of the first vinyls i bought yeah, oh, yeah? i bought the beverly yeah. hills cop soundtrack just for that song mm-hmm. wasn't that like the first ever like instrumental song to crack the billboard top 10 or something like no, that no no you had uh you had the disco version of star wars you had uh, fifth of beethoven which was the disco version yeah. of Be- there, okay, i thought it was, I, a, I thought it was some there was some milestone thing for it i thought there, if you had the most weeks or something like that i don't know I'm, I'm sure it has some kind of record yeah. but but yeah, this wasn't an era where, you know, popcorn, you remember their song popcorn from like the seventies, do, 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 you know, there were, there were previous instrumental. Axel, in there, yeah. Axel F was a top 10. I mean, that, oh, yes. it, oh, yeah. it may have hit number one. I'm not positive. I don't know. But that it's movie fantastic. was huge. I mean. Yeah. yeah. All right, DJ, what's your number two? Uh, number two, I'm going with, I mean, you could do any of the three, but I'm going to start, I'll go with Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, Indiana Jones's main theme. The first three bars, and you know exactly you know you know exactly what is coming. Um, it's John Williams again, the the goat mm-hmm. uh, film composers. Like I said you could go any of them. To me, I don't except for like maybe a couple of the creepy parts of Temple of Doom. Yeah. I think much like Star Wars, the it's the same songs just kind of like dragged out in different ways throughout yeah. the three movies. Thematically used, yeah. Th- yeah. yeah. It's just, actually I think that's what he's the best at. Is, is you get oh, little, his they, his themes. I mean, even even to recent days, you know, Harry Potter. You just need a few notes of that, yeah, the, the, and it's the, you know exactly the, what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's that is a special talent of his. Yeah, I remember since you brought that up. So just to sh- how good he is. I remember I didn't know when the Fantastic Beast movie came out. So Harry mm-hmm. Potter's done. My my wife and daughter are huge Harry Potter people. My wife, right. you know, she's a she's a book person. She's not so much a movie person. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were they loved Harry Potter when Fantastic Beast came out because I I you know read all the websites. They don't. They had no idea the thing was coming. Yeah. When the trailer came out, I knew exactly what it was. Oh, yeah. I didn't tell them. I was like, hey, there's this new movie coming. You guys might like it. They're like, okay, whatever. And they're both playing on their phone, whatever. And as soon as it starts off, it's just a black screen. And you hear the dun dun. And you just get the first few like, bars. Like a puppy who hears a cheese wrapper open, their ears perk up. <laughs> I like the reference. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it was. It's, it was like you painted a good visual there. It yeah. was just all of a sudden they're like, they're locked in because you know it's the same thing, you know, same thing when uh when uh, Force Awakens came back out, yeah, so who's that trailhead? Mm-hmm. And you heard the first like, oh, uh, like you know, you even think about now, like you know, you can just close your eyes and the, you get the shivers, and you, you know what it is. It's, it's Star Wars. So. It's just yeah. it stuff's the best. So, yep. 
No, yeah, no so question. We'll, we'll, go, we'll I say it could be We're, any of the three, but we'll go Raiders. But no, go Raiders because that yeah. that march the is OG. is excellent. Mm-hmm. All right, so number one, um, got one that's a little bit off, and then I've got an honorable mention. But my number one is the Princess Bride, mm-hmm. scored by awesome. Mark Knopfler. All right, one of the first times I remember, right. I knew who Mark Knopfler was. Love is playing in in Dire Straits. His his you know his guitar work is so distinctive, uh, so evocative, and you know it, it's just it's fantastic. He did the score he did to the Princess Bride is a mix of relatively like low end production of synths and stuff like that, synth strings, and and I mean if you listen to it, the tones are not what you would normally associate with a motion picture score of a major motion picture, but then his guitar playing over it and the fact that he composed the whole thing. It's just that movie, which is one of my top two or three movies ever. Movie might be perfect. Yeah. The movie, it might be perfect. perfect. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. The, the, the book, which is the screenplay, William Goldman is a a perfect piece of creative art, but, but part of it is, that if you listen to his score and you're a fan of that movie, you hear, you know, you know every line that's around those notes uh, and where it comes in the movie and the, um, so that one. That's a good one. And I'll come back to my honorable mention later. I didn't even think about that one to be honest with you. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Excellent. Well, I kind of threw an audible because I think I was going down a certain track with, there was definitely a theme with the top three mm-hmm. and I've kind of shifted on two and one because I think you and I, DJ, would have been pretty much in lockstep. I think we had them yeah. flip-flopped. Yep. But um, for my number one, I think I'm going to go with what was probably the most memorable piece of movie score that came out of the 80s, the Chariots of Fire theme. Uh, oh! That touches that's one, on of, those one of, that of my honorable mentions. Look at this Everybody, guy. I mean, I kind of in the same vein as the Axelhoff, like also the charted. certain songs. It did. Yeah, it yeah. did. It did. Mm-hmm. But that's one, as soon as you play a couple bars, everybody immediately knows. Yep. Olympics. What that ex- they think Olympics. You got the shot of them running on so, the beach, the whole thing. Vangelis, thick, thick analog brass sounds with piano overlaid into it. And the, yeah, just fantastic call. It's, and I'm going to save my honorable mention. We'll come back to that after. So as you talk about, like I said, no, no highness. Number one is Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, if yeah. for no other reason, so, I mean, like I said, you could... You could say that the the music is similar to Jedi, but Jedi has the Nub Nub song, yeah. and Empire has the Han so Han and Princess Leia's love theme, which is phenomenal. It's, yep. I mean, it's you know you talk about perfect movies. Empire Strikes Back is almost perfect movie yep. too, but yep. yeah, it's any of the Star Wars music I've talked before. Like I can hear two two or three bars from a song, and close my eyes, and I can speed yep. run through the movie. I know all the dialogue. It's Star Wars is life. So my lack of imagination has gotten Empire Strikes Back. Um, I do also have an honorable mention, which is kind of. Do you want to start us off? I can do that. So it's weird. So mine, and I'm kind of breaking my own rules on this one. It's considered. (laughs) How dare you, sir? It's it's categorized as a score. Mm -hmm. Although there is a song on it that has lyrics. Well, we didn't say score album. We said score. I went, yeah, very specific songs off album. Yeah, no, that's true. So um, it's the score or the theme songs included in those lyrics in it from Flash Gordon. Really? It's considered a score. Queen wrote the entire thing. Queen wrote the yep. entire album. Brian and Freddie Mercury wrote the entire album. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have the, obviously the Flash Gordon theme song, which everyone knows, but because it's Queen and Queen's one of the best bands so ever. I don't think I've ever actually seen the movie, guys. You're not missing a whole lot, but it's good. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's, it's cheese to the, the max, but yeah. but you have to check the box. You need to watch. You need to, yeah, you need to check the box. And I mean, you're a music guy. Like, I don't know, you, are you a Queen guy? Yeah. I love Queen. Yeah. I mean, um, so yeah, so I'm going to go the, the Flash Gordon nice. score. Yeah. Nice. All right. So. I have a major honorable mention and then a minor. Cool. Major. What German independent movie did you pick here? No, no, no. This is much, much bigger. And and Chris I know where he's going. touched on it. Blade Runner. So, oh, yeah. I thought so I'd going somewhere else. Well, so we'll, we'll come back to what you think I was going quick because I don't think my other one is close to it okay. either. So I'm probably just forgetting a movie. But Blade <laughs> Runner, again, I've got a, a, a theme here. Synthesizers and score. You know, Vangelis' score for Blade Runner so underscores everything about that movie that that I love and and about synthesizers and about 
the expansion of the tones that, you know, in the old world, you had classical music. You had a wide variety of tones from brasses and winds and drums, and but, but synths open this up so much. And you can use that really badly, or you can use it to just do stuff that's never been done before. And Vangelis and Blade Runner is... is uh, yeah, so that's my zero, actually. Yeah. It's above one. <laughs> that's your zero? You know, you know, it's, you know what's kind of weird about that? It's like, maybe it's because I saw Blade Runner much later on in life. Yeah. Which is fine, because if I was eight years old, I wouldn't understand. Like, it's, it's it was probably a hard follow for a little kid. Um, I can't, that's one of the few movies, like most movies, like if you get, like you make the theme song, I can tell you what movies it's from. Mm-hmm. That one I can't do. That I don't, I, 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 I can't pick up any music out of that one. No. See, my number one on, and DJ actually made me think of another because the Flash Gordon was an excellent call, mm-hmm. um, and much in the same vein. So I'll go with my original honorable mention, mm-hmm. which ties back into my top sci-fi movie, E.T. Oh, oh yeah. As soon as you okay. hear that music, yeah. that brings me right back to, and I know DJ doesn't want to cry, but I'm already getting that's back. one of those where yeah. it, it brings you back time and place. As soon as you hear the music, mm-hmm. you're brought right back there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's un- once again, because the GOAT... Yeah. It's like everything. no, it's. I mean, you could have just gone with an entire John Williams catalog. We might do that one and day. been fine. The other one, DJ made me just think of, and this is where I thought you were going, Sean. Mm-hmm. Batman. Ah, so mm. that's an excellent point, and that's yes, a nice so. one where it's much like the Flash Gordon, yeah. where Prince did lyrics and music. You have right. some that, have, yeah, yeah. But Danny, but Danny Elfman's, you know, nineteen eighty nine Batman theme mm-hmm. is fundamental. But the reason that I didn't even occur to me even though I love that and clearly love so many yep. things about that, love the Prince album, mm-hmm. listen to that stupid bat dance song. It's an interesting the, uh, mix. Yeah. There's some of the instrumentals yeah. that Prince did as well. Yeah. But it's, uh, musically, it doesn't do the same things for me that good scores for dramatic, right? No, there's it plays there, very there's much no like emotion. Right, yeah. You know, like, you hear is, the Batman theme song, you're like, oh, it's Batman. Or is, this, is, wait, is, is it Beetlejuice? Or wait, no, yeah, oh, no, it's Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. No, no, it's, no, Elfman's <laughs> no. got a lot more range than that. But the the there's one I have to mention, technically an eighties movie, nineteen eighty nine, Field of Dreams. James mm-hmm. Horner score. Not one I necessarily like one of the reasons I'm I don't know, I'll just say I love that watching that movie and the and the score to it is critical. And then final honorable mention is Platoon. Oh, that's but the use of a particular so the ending of Platoon, the helicopter pulling away from the mm-hmm. the crater and destruction and and death from the final battle as as Charlie Sheen's hanging off the helicopter and we're just circling around that site. They're playing uh, Barber's Adagio for strings. One of the you know one of the most moving, sad, emotional pieces there are, and and just such the perfect choice for that movie. But it makes me want to mention again my friend Harlan Feinstein. He and his wife, Suzanne, both brass players, horn players, and at their wedding at Hammond Castle up the coast here a number of years ago, they actually played in like a a double brass quintet in their wedding dress and tuxedo along with a bunch of their wedding party and played a few things, but they played a brass version of Adagio for Strings that had me bawling. It was fantastic. That's cool. Yeah, so technically an 80s score. Yeah, so yeah, like I said, the 80s had phenomenal music. It was just untouchable. So so we went over so many of them. So my honorable, so I honorable, so. <laughs> I hope you took notes, DJ, because yeah. I've lost I, track I started of everything. To, I, started I, think, to. I think top three is losing its uh, It, it is. is. This one it was. Yeah. It's so, but yeah, yeah. We'll tight, so we're going to tighten up right now. So I went honorable mention. Screw men. that. Open it up. <laughs> Open it up. There's more stuff to talk about. Honorable mention, I went Flash Gordon, and then I went number three, Tron. Number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number one, Empire Strikes Back. Sean had number three was Quiana uh, Scotsy. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that should have made him say it. Yeah. Sounds like a vodka. Um, we'll and then number yeah. two, mm-hmm. you Top had Gun. Top Gun. Harold Faltermeyer. Yep. And then number one was Princess Bride. Right. And then I'll mention was Blade Runner and yeah, Platoon and Field of Dreams. Yeah. Yeah, Anything we, else he thought of. We went a little yeah. nuts on this one. Yeah. Sorry. Chris, no, it's okay. Chris started with um, Witches of Eastwick. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which was, yeah, I did not see that one coming. Then you went to, number one was Chariots of Fire. Number two Axel was- Axel F. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. Was yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we honorable mentioned- E.T. E.T. Mm-hmm. So, very John Williams heavy. 
Sure. But it is yeah. what it is. It's when I you mean, talk about music. Movie scores, he's 80s. The goat. He's the GOAT. He's so. the GOAT. It's, he did it all. Yeah. So that was uh, this one. So like I said, if anyone has any uh, any suggestions for top threes or show ideas or anything like that, you can hiss up at FMan37 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at Deidrenaut. Sean's at Vacaboca. Mm-hmm. Chris is at Chris... Davis. Chris Davis it was under underscore thirty seven. Yeah. I'm, I'm that's how we hit ta- episode like fifty. I'm gonna get I'm gonna okay, like get a tattoo on the inside of my hand so I always know it. Not uh, right. So follow us on iTunes <laughs> or Google Play or SoundCloud. Feel free to leave us reviews. Don't blast us too hard, but we always like hearing about yeah. stuff. Hit us up on Facebook. Yes, up on Facebook. I'm working on that. I'm trying to get more pictures up and all that stuff. And uh we'll have to we're gonna have to dip back into uh the other side of we're gonna have to do soundtracks pretty soon. So we'll we'll have that one. We'll work on that one too. And uh we'll find out what Chris just bought. Coming, <laughs> coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. Same fan time, same fan channel. Well, that's a little, a uh, little on the nose, but I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Later.